Hello, everyone. Welcome to the newest episode of the First Five Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Pennell, here at Element Health and Wellness in Uptown Dallas. Today, guys, we have an awesome, awesome podcast ready to go for you. I have Dr. Tyrell Detweiler of Hybrid Performance Group joining us, and he has some great things to say. We're going to talk about finding your way within the first five years of practice. By no means do we know it all, but we have some really, really great insight, and we're going to share some of the the struggles, the growth, all of it. You guys are going to hear it right here, the First Five Podcast. Welcome. Here we go. Dr. Tyrell, thanks for joining us today. How are you doing, buddy? Awesome, man. Thanks for having me. Doing great. Doing great here in Ohio. Talk to me about what's going on with Hybrid Performance Group right now. Uh, well, I mean, everyone's 2020 has been a little crazy, but there's, 2020 has definitely been a year over here. Um, there's a lot of, you know, things at the start of the year that we, um, for lack of better words, had to adapt. You know, some parts was that. Other parts was um, just had really good opportunities to expand the business. So um, there's whether it's whether it's me putting too much on my plate or just never wanting to you know directly dive in on just one thing and put all my eggs in one basket but um we've got a lot going on the clinic is uh we're we're changing we're adapting um we're bringing on kind of a new uh concept of care and how we want to deliver care to our patients um and then on my side uh projects um i'm actually looking to start a podcast my own sometime soon here but um, we'll kind of, we'll kind of see where that leads. But I mean, the main thing is, um, you know, just sticking with my vision and, and sticking with my, uh, passion. So, um, I've been kind of progressing with a offensive line specific, um, training, uh, company that's kind of built off as a branch of hybrid performance group. Um, you know, the, the idea of hybrid being, we're not just focusing on one aspect of healthcare, um, or, or you know, just injury, right? We're, we're trying to perform, we're trying to get our guys better. Um, and so then that's kind of the branch of that being athletics, um, in my background and football and all that stuff. So, um, start out with just a couple guys and now it's looking like we've got three or four dudes going to train with us on a consistent basis, um, in my, in my gym. And then, um, then we'll probably turn the corner here in January and hit the ball rolling, probably have like eight to 10 guys, um, doing skill specific work, all that good stuff. Um, you know, with the goal of just trying to get them better prepared for college and, and, and getting them honestly to understand their body a little better and being able to, um, the end goal would be to make sure that they're healthy as long as possible and, and can have uh, the, the tools and habits to be successful as an athlete. So all different kinds of stuff going on right now. Awesome. So just so the audience knows, I'm, I'm going to backtrack just a little bit. Uh, so Dr. Tyrell and I went to Logan University together, went to chiropractic school. So we graduated April 2015. And, you know, a little bit of what Dr. Detweiler is talking about. So his background, he played football at uh, University of Iowa. He was offensive lineman. So he has a lot of, of high-level sports background. Um, he did an internship at Mizzou with the football team. Uh, was involved with Memphis football team as their team chiropractor. So the knowledge that this guy carries is is unreal. And so I wanted to make sure that we touch on that so that you guys understand how significant 
you know, the things that he's discussing really are and, and should add value to, you know, your own lives as you're trying to figure out where you want to go from transitioning to school to the real world. So as we talk a little bit about, you know, that background, you know, Dr. Tyrell there, uh, you know, you named your group hybrid performance group because you wanted to do chiropractic, you wanted to do wellness, you wanted to do, um, you know, sports rehab and, and kind of hit on all the things that you love. You know, before we get into some of the others, I'd like you to just chat on, you know, what did you think about in school before you graduated? Like, what was your mindset as to how you wanted to practice and then kind of where it's, you know, where it's led to at this point in time? Um, you know, to be honest with you, to be perfectly honest with you, that that mentality was there before I even stepped into chiropractic school. Um, and I like that idea that we're talking about trying to, how do you find your way? How do you, you know, cause no one tells you how to do this stuff, but you know, how do you, how do you figure out what you want to do and where you want to be? Where's your future? And you got to have that, that target identified and you got to aim at it, you know? So actually, um, I'll take you back a little further and my experience with Iowa football, um, it was great by all means. And it continues to open doors every day with me, but you know, I was one of those guys who, um, just like everyone else, had their own fair share of injuries. And my experience as an athlete, even before then in high school as a kid, even, um, was that chiropractic help. You know, it really did. And, uh, you know, after having a couple injuries, uh, I tore my calf probably like twice, had an AC uh, joint sprain, PCL strain in, uh, in, in football. And, um, you know, having... <laughs> Without uh, without um, bashing on a profession, um, at the end of the day, it's about results. And 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 uh, the athletic trainers we had didn't give me results. You know, when I got results, it was I went to my chiropractor. Um, I didn't know why. I just knew that he got me better. Um, so when I finished at Iowa, and you know, really decide like, all right, this is this is where I need to go is chiropractic school. I already knew that. The, the vision was I am going to be a team doc at a division one college. In fact, it was so specific that I said, I'm going to be Iowa's team chiropractor because I want someone to be able to have the opportunity as an athlete to receive the kind of care that I wish I would have had. And that's that theme has really dictated everything I do moving into now. So, I mean, the reason I chose Logan then Rather than once I got out of Logan, what did I think I wanted to do? The reason I chose Logan is because they were the only place that had an affiliate um, in collegiate athletics. They were the only person, the only team or uh, uh, school, I should say, that had a relationship with the university. And I actually didn't even know if that was really a thing to have a team chiropractor for chiropractic because we didn't have one in Iowa. But I was like, well, that's what we need, you know, and that's what we should do. So that's why I picked Logan. So I already knew. You know, when I graduated Logan and the decisions I made during Logan were 100% based on the fact that that's what I was going to be was a team doc. And so, you know, for example, choosing to go do my Tri-10 or even to drive up during Tri-9 multiple times a week to Mizzou to help out and to just spend time in that athletic environment again, um, that was already predetermined, you know, back in 2010 before I even went to chiropractic school. So... Um, that's really what dictated every move. And so once I got out, it was just really, how do I get to the next step, which is being in that, in that athletic realm 
being in a results-based kind of realm is like how I have to talk about it now. It's like we're, we're there to try to get that athlete better um, no matter what. We're trying to get them on the field as fast as possible. I love it. And you know what? When you're talking about having a vision, having predetermined uh, ideas and thoughts and like, hey, I'm going to be the team doc, that is 100% necessary. And, and, you know, creating a vision of where you want to be Gary V talks about it all the time. He's like, one day I'm going to own the Jets. Like, I'm going to do that. And I'm, honestly, like, at first I'm like, oh, okay. Now I've heard it a hundred times. I'm like, dude, Gary Vee's going to own the Jets. I don't know when, but dude's going to do it, you know? And, and it holds true for any of us as well. Like, if you want a certain type of practice, it may not happen tomorrow, but if you're taking the steps, if you're meeting the right people, like, eventually you're going to put that, uh, you know, that thought into action and having the patience to take the right steps is, is extremely important. All right. Um, you know, based on what you're saying, like I'm, I'm, I'm putting it out there right now. I've told a lot of people here, but one day I will be the team doc for the Dallas Cowboys. That is the goal. That's the plan. Mm -hmm. We've made a lot of uh, steps in, in, uh, in regards to making that happen in 2020. And I think we're getting closer. Uh, you know, we're, we're meeting a lot of the right people. We're, we're getting, getting to where we need to be. So when you put those visions out there, when you talk about it, like you're trying to, you're making it a reality. Um, even Jordan Belfort in his book, uh, Way of the Wolf, he talks about literally like, I wanted my people to envision themselves being rich, being confident, no, you know, selling, being the top salesman. He's like, every day we would talk through this stuff. And he's like, we're talking low life people that could barely talk and chew gum. But these people ended up, you know, earning 50,000, 100,000, million dollars a month sometimes depending on who these people were which is insane mm -hmm. uh but processes and visions and all that thought putting into action so i love that stuff let's go back now logan university what was your experience there you know good bad i, I don't want to i don't want to ever uh you know put up or down universities when it comes to different things like that but just specifics of being in chiropractic school how did it then you know take you from where you were to where you are now talk me through that process yeah, absolutely. Actually, I want to come back real quick and, and re-say what you just said about kind of having that target in mind and being vocal about it. Like, here's the deal. Okay, you can say, like, man, I'm going to own the Jets or I'm going to own the, um, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna own this or do that. You know, I'm going to be the team Cairo for the Cowboys or I'm going to be the team Cairo for Iowa. And people don't like saying that. They don't want to say that because they're scared. Like, they're scared, like, what if I fail? And it's like, if you really think about the risk to saying, you know, to someone like, Hey, I'm going to be the team chiropractor for blah, like wherever it is, or I'm going to, I'm going to own a million dollar practice. You know, the, the, the people you're talking to, if it's that big of a goal, like they're already writing you off anyways. So what's the risk? If the risk is you, you don't succeed and they were writing you off anyways, but the reward and the real risk is that if you do succeed, you're right all along. And, and the real risk is that, if you just listen to them and their opinion of your life, like the risk is you don't know if you would have done that. So at least, you know, to me, it's like there's less risk in, um, in being bold about what you're saying. Cause most people aren't going to believe you anyways. So you're not, you're not really changing anyone's perception by, by saying it, they're not going to believe you. You know what I mean? Well, but, at the end of the day, look, other people don't know what you're going through on a day-to-day -day basis. Like I, right. generally speaking, I share a decent amount of, of things on social media and whatnot, but that's not even an eighth of what right. I do on a day-to-day -day basis, right? Like when I'm talking 
want to be the team Cairo, that means like I've spoken with every head physician for the Dallas Cowboys, the athletic trainer. Mm -hmm. Like I'm talking in 2020, we sent letters, we talked on cell phones, we text, we Mm -hmm. email, like I'm I'm talking some really legitimate stuff of of steps that we're making to to put this in place. And that may not happen in the next two months. It may not happen in the next year, but at some point, if we keep after, as long as you don't stop, like you'll get closer and closer and closer and when that opportunity comes, then it's, am I accepting this? Am I past this point? What right. do I want to do at this? You know? And so, right. um, no, I agree. And, but I think a lot of those visions in turn happened back when we were in school, right? Like at that yes. point in time, yes. you know, when, when we go back to that Logan type scenario, try one, you have an idea of what you want to do that may change and adapt over time, but more than likely that vision stays strong to some degree. So as you're going through Logan, you know, what was some of the good and some of the bad, like what did you really take strongly away from going to chiropractic school? And then, you know, mm-hmm. how much was hard work? Where, where'd you go from there? Um, you know, honestly, I don't know if I have a whole lot of bad things to say about the education itself. Um, I think so my experience was really good at Logan. I think that I walked in not having a clear idea of what chiropractic was. And once I got into chiropractic school, it was like my, you know, my belief system, you can call it core values you want. But at that point, like the things I believe were true in the universe, right, were just amplified by the things I was learning in chiropractic school to where I went in going like, all right, someone adjusted me and it felt better to me. And like, holy crap, like this is how I feel about nutrition, taking care of your body, like all these things, like everything there met with my belief system. So I don't have a whole lot of bad things to say about it. Um, from that standpoint, what I, what I do think is that, um, every institution, no matter what their end goal is, is going to be resistant to change. Um, and so if anything, and this is kind of more on my side goal and we'll get, we'll probably get into it later, but like, you know, I want to bring, well, kind of like you, I want to bring stuff back into the university and share my experiences and help educate others. Like, I don't want to teach at Logan or at any other school, but I want to bring something back to that, um, to give back and to honestly just be again, like, here's the things I wish I would have known when I was in chiropractic school, just like, here's the things I wish I would have had when I was an athlete. Um, so from that standpoint, you know, I want to bring back some of the things I do and the mentality I have or the or the model that I hopefully build in the next five to ten years. And I want that to be taught and I want that to be in a, in a, in a chiropractic school. Um, but in, just from the things I saw, um, I'm a very, like, observant person. You know, I may not talk a whole lot at certain times, but I'm always observing. I'm always kind of making calculations based on what I'm seeing. And some of the things that, for those of you guys that are listening that are in chiropractic school now, the biggest things you've got to avoid is you've got to avoid the trap of doing what everyone else is doing. Um, and I don't really care where you take that from as far as where it comes from for me. I look at it as athletics. Like if I want to be the best athlete, then by definition, I can't just do what everyone else is doing because that's going to make me an average athlete. So like if you're looking around and you're seeing like, you know, Oh, everyone's everyone's just going out and having a good time, and no one's really having a job, or no one's really um, spending a time, you know, visiting other offices or studying business. Like that doesn't mean you don't need to do that, right? Because if your goal is actually to be more than that, exceptional, you have to do more than that. So that was kind of the thing that I saw was I'm kind of looking around and seeing like what are other people doing, and not to size myself up with them, but just to be like, 
okay, make sure that you're doing something else. Make sure you're doing something more. Um, that's that's a really good um, just overall example. Um, but the, the other really big things are like, do not go into chiropractic school expecting them to provide everything for you. If, if you're if you're on that mindset, like you're in trouble because you know the job of the university, and this is not an act on the university. This is exactly their job. Their job is to make you proficient enough to pass boards to be competent enough in practice that you aren't going to hurt someone or that you're going to be able to make good judgment. That does not mean they're going to tell you how to be a better business person. It doesn't mean they're going to tell you how you need to practice. And it doesn't mean that it's their responsibility to open doors for you. And that was something that I always saw. And you remember back in, you know, the sports clinic days and stuff like that, or even just regular clinic, like how many people were hyper-focused on, well, school tells me I need to get 70 adjustments to graduate. So therefore, my bar is set at 70 to graduate. And that's what I was told I need. I'm not looking at that going, you know, well, the more people I adjust, the more experience I get, the better I'm going to be. And then therefore, my goal is I need to get as many adjustments as possible or see as many patients as possible. It's the majority of people are, well, I just need to get my 70. And then, oh, so-and-so over here got a new patient and I didn't get a new patient. Well, why didn't Logan give me that, you know, new patient? Or why didn't, you know, this clinician give me that new patient? It's like, dude, nothing's given to you. Um, if, if something comes along and it's given to you, like you should be extremely appreciative of it, but like you have to do more, you know, you have to go out and if, if you've gotten your 10 patients to graduate, go try to find out how to get 11. Cause guess what? When you get in practice, <laughs> you're not going to be happy with just a bare minimum of patients, or at least you shouldn't be. So, you know, those would be the big points I'd hit on. It's not, a, it's not a fallacy of the school. It's a fallacy of, of the mind telling you, you know, someone else has to provide that for me. You've got to figure that out on your own. I agree. Yeah, the uh, I, I would say just like any other school, just like any other uh, seminar, whatever you're doing, you're going to get out what you put in, right? There are a lot of people that mm-hmm. always wanted to fight the system and bitch about the teachers and whatever. And, you know, sometimes it's like, dude, play the game, right? Like if you have to do certain things in order to pass and go through shit, I didn't like everything that we had to do either, but some of it was required for a reason. And you just did what you had to do. You expanded on it when you could, you got other information from teachers that wanted to provide you with more. And, and you, you know, you moved on. You did, like you said, more than, more than what you're supposed to. The one thing I will say about school, it was tough. Like, because a lot of schools do not necessarily, um, equip you with everything for the real world when it comes to the business side. And that is yeah. tough on, on one part of it though, would we have even listened anyway? Cause we didn't know what the hell we were doing. Right. So if somebody told us that this is something that you need to do, we'd been like, all right, but how do you adjust? You know, it's like, we didn't care about that shit nearly as much because there was nothing to compare it to. I don't think we did listen though. How many times did we tell, did we get told by someone yeah. like, Hey man, it's not going to teach you how to be a good oh, ass, whatever. It's fine. We got this. Like yeah. we were told, yeah. we were told we didn't listen. You're hundred percent right. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it, that's exactly right. There's a lot of things. And, and I love what you said about don't necessarily do what everyone else is doing. And, and even what you said about, you know, your visions and what other people are thinking, man, don't, I know it's tough. I know it is, but don't worry about what everybody else is doing. You have to figure out what's best for yourself because mm-hmm. if, Tyrell's out partying and he can get away with the knowledge and passing exams because he paid attention in class and everything else while I jacked around in class. And then I also went out and still didn't know the information, right? Like 
I, I can't I can't base what I do on what Tyrell does because we are different people in the way that he learns versus what I mm-hmm. learn versus his background and my background. They're so different. Um, his dad may have had a, 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 a good background in business. They may have a bunch of small businesses. Tyrell knows a lot about that stuff already coming out. Maybe his, yeah. you know, mom was a chiropractor, whatever. Like you don't know what everyone else has on a background. So you have to adjust the way that you're going to operate your life and how much time you got to put into studies and everything else based on how you present. Right. And he's exactly right. The, the school doesn't necessarily, it's not their job to provide you with everything that you have to, uh, that you're going to need in order to be successful because that is very different for every person that's out there. Mm-hmm. Now let's go well, on that. Go ahead. Go ahead. What mm-hmm. you got? No, I say, look, it's, 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 it's natural human physiology to do that though. Like taking it into the actual, like, let's talk about, you know, the body. It's natural to look around and say, what is everyone else doing? And therefore, everyone else is doing this, that I can kind of navigate my experience and make sure I'm safe by doing the same thing. Like it's uncomfortable to the body to go like, Hey, let's, let's go outside of what's normal because what's normal keeps you safe. And you know, we know you you have to risk something to be able to be successful. So being safe isn't always smart. I agree. And look, you're talking to two people. I, I feel like Tyrell did his own thing probably more than I did when we were in school but in general, yeah, I fell into that trap plenty of times of doing what other people did. I still, mm-hmm. you know, that sometimes I purposely don't look at other people's social media and other chiropractors because I don't even want to know what they're doing. I want to mm-hmm. stay on the street because I don't want to have this like fear of missing out. I don't want to have this, oh crap, I need to do this. I think you should always learn and adjust what you're doing and hopefully take your game to another level. But a lot of times I don't really pay attention to a whole lot of social media outside of supporting the people that I know in friendships because I, I don't want to get in that trap of, oh, shit, I need to do this or, oh, I need to change this. Like, I want to make sure that what I'm doing is what I want to do. It, mm-hmm. it may or may not work. We adjust it and go from there. You know, when you're talking like how you've adapted then as you, you know, you get out into practice, what were some of the specialties that even in school you thought you might want to include in your practice today that have carried over? Some of them you may be working to. Talk to me about that part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think that, you know, I will say right now, let's go back to Logan and say they did that awesome. They gave you a lot of opportunity to, to figure out what you wanted to do. So, like, they did. we both took ART, you know what I mean? That was yep. a huge yep. thing that you kind of heard about going through school. Like, man, ART, if you want to work with athletes, you better get ART done. Did it, love it, use it every day, right? Um, I took a couple other, you know, just general, you know, chiropractic techniques, Thompson. Uh, obviously, we take basic, you know, um, diversified. I mean, I, I would say I, I use bits and pieces of Thompson. Who knows, I might be using bits and pieces of basic and not even realize it, but mainstay is going to be diversified, and I think that's pretty typical. Um, I did uh, acupuncture when I was there as well. Um, I definitely thought that was relevant, um, was necessary. I have learned so much about acupuncture to respect it too much to use it. From a standpoint of, I think it's its own medical it's its own thing. It's Eastern medicine. It's, you know, I respect it enough to know that my hundred hours that allowed me to practice it when I was still in Iowa, um, for that little period after graduation, like, you know, that's cool and all, but at the end of the day, um, man, acupuncture is an awesome thing that if that's what you want to do, get into that and you can help a lot of people. I just have enough respect for it. 
Um, but I did do dry needling, and dry needling has been a huge benefit for um, anyone that I've worked with. So as far as you know, Graston, kind of the same thing. I picked what I what I thought was necessary of it and started using it the way I saw fit. Um, which I think is the art of practice. Don't necessarily have to worry about doing it exactly the way it's been told. Like figure it out, you know. Um, but those would be the ones I, I believe. Those are the techniques I took while I was in school. Um, but most of them, yeah, I do use. I use all the time. Let, let's let's touch on the technique side of things real quick. So you go in school, and and everybody, you know, some people are doing Thompson, some people are doing diversified. Obviously, at Logan, we had to learn some of these um, active release technique. ART is what he brought up. Thompson, Gonstead, right? To me, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what you choose as long as you can put it to practice and make sense of it. Um, some people do upper cervical. One thing that you'll find when you get out is do your best not to knock everyone else's ideas and opinions. In school, it was very popular to mock a certain technique or whatever. And uh, look, I get it. But at the, at the same time, if somebody can make it work and they can help people, good, go for it. Um, but when it comes to different techniques, the reason that I personally like ART is because when athletes come in, when individuals come in, they want to be touched and felt and worked through in the areas that are bothering them. Now, do other things play into it? Yes. If you've got you know a hamstring strain, could there be other parts involved? Could it be IT band? Could it be hip? Could it be low back? Yes. Glute, of course. So just because it's a hamstring strain doesn't mean that you only should work through hamstring because that's where they're complaining of the injury. But what I want to get to is you you do in practice, you want to make sure that the things that you are, are performing for people that you're doing, you want to make them feel better. You want to feel them to feel like you're addressing the areas of concern for them. Now, when it comes to techniques, you have to learn what you're supposed to in school and learn the whole ART and do all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. But what you'll find is a lot of docs out in practice, they're not so straightforward, just diversified, just ART, whatever. Some are, but a lot of times they take modifications that work well for them. I'm sure Dr. Tyrell can tell you that too. I mean, mm -hmm. I use a little Thompson. I mainly do diversified, but I use a little Thompson. Uh, I do a lot of ART. I do a little bit of Graston type technique. I, I respect acupuncture. I like, um, I like dry needling, but I think that you'll start to understand that you just you have to learn them and then apply it to real world and see what techniques make the most sense for you. Do you agree? Right. Yeah. Well, and then and then you add that on top of it where you do something and someone's like, "Wait, where'd you learn that?" And you go, "I just learned it from another guy who who I don't know where he learned it from, but all I know is it works." Right. I mean, you know, you you know, I we, we get to the point when we're in you know biofreeze or whatever else, and like you got to be able to adjust without a table on the ground, wherever you need to be. And so, you know, I may not know where some of these things came from, like a first rib adjustment. I might show it to someone and have very few people know what the heck that came from, but I got it from this practitioner at this point in time that I was around. So yeah. And I think that's really what it comes down to is, is um, again, medicine, healthcare, however you want to categorize that it's an art. So like we need to get away from the, you know, I, screw it. You need to get away from evidence-based medicine because evidence-based medicine, medicine is no longer what it used to be. Evidence-based medicine has become, show me the research paper that tells me everything I need to do. Otherwise, I'm petrified of anything I don't understand. Evidence-based medicine is supposed to be utilizing your experiences as a clinician, your patient's experiences and their expectations, and then finally what the research tells you works. And if you're sitting around practicing the buzzword type evidence-based medicine, 
you're going to be the kind of person who's sitting around waiting for someone to tell you what works instead of being one of the people out in front who's doing stuff, trying things, experimenting safely, obviously, and, and finding the things that, hey, when this happens and I do these things, it works consistently over and over and over again. That then turns into research, which then 10 years later becomes what you as an evidence-based practitioner goes, look at me, I'm doing the newest and latest, and the people who have already who have created that 10 years ago are going, eh, okay, yeah, we, we knew that 10 years ago. So, yeah, I mean, I think you need to experiment. You need to obviously use your intelligence to not hurt someone or to do something that's completely out of bounds. But I think if you're based on results, if you're looking at what's going on, how's this responding, how's the patient responding, and then what else do I know about this currently, right? What's my level of knowledge currently? That's the art of, of practice. That's, that's, that's how it should be done. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with that 100%. So when you get out into your practice now, what is your setup? So are you one chiropractor? Are you multiple? Do you have PT? You know, how many how many employees do you have? What is your setup at this point in time? Sure. So um, I started Hybrid Performance Group back in 2018, mid, uh, May, let's say, May or June of 2018. Um, and that was a transition from... Um, when I moved from Memphis here to Columbus. Um, so I started that, uh, and, the, and the business called, you know, is called Hybrid Performance Group um, because at the time I was partnered with a PT, and we kind of had that idea of like, you know, I don't really care that you're a chiropractor. I don't really care that you're a PT. I care about are we able to help people, so let's work together. Um, and so that's where we started in, 20, in 2018. Um, you know, in like late 2019, um, and this is just a reality of business, um, you know, partnerships are, are very beneficial. I think, I, I think it's great having someone there, but at some point, you know, it came to be that, you know, that individual, that PT I was working with just didn't want to do the business end of things. Just didn't want to, you know, Hey, I know what this is going to take business wise, but I just don't know if I can do that or I want to do that. So, okay. Um, so I turned out around and bought her out um, at the end of 2019. So we've been a one practitioner office since, uh, since 20, let's say 2020, just to make it clean and easy. Um, and we have uh, a front desk staff that we pulled from um, local university who's going to PT school. So again, I, I, I like having the, you know, difference in, in thought processes and professions. I like having that around the office because um, I think it adds benefit. So um, it's me and one employee right now um, with the end goal of we are going to produce a model that is going to allow docs to come in and actually spend probably the first six months to a year um, just diving in and, and learning about the, the model that we have in practice and how we help people get better. Um, and then, you know, integrating with some high schools, um, and, and being able to actually provide on-site care for those high school athletes. Um, and then, you know, at the end of the day, I think that everyone needs to determine what's best for them. So, you know, the way I build that into the business is if I hire a PT, I don't care. If I hire a chiropractor, I don't care. An athletic trainer, I think would be a great addition to our practice for rehab. Um, and then I got to give them the tools of the business owner to help them find out their, their unique way of practicing, like their, their style of who they are. And, you know, then if that person really has aspirations of going and owning a business, then I'm going to help them do that too. So I kind of imagine 
the office being kind of a revolving door of sorts, but not in the bad way that you see in practice sometimes where it's just like, oh, I just get another body in here to start adjusting people for me. I want I want people to come in and have the availability if they just want to practice and adjust people or treat people that they have the ability to do that. But if there's someone who like really wants to learn and really wants to go out there and build a business and they and they want to find out how and, and it fits within our model, you know, I want to help them do that too. You know, so they spend a little time in and maybe we find out how we can get them into another practice elsewhere. Love it. So who is your target demographic? Like who's your average population that you see at your office? Just give me sure. a little, you know, 30 second rundown on that. Yeah. So pretty detailed on that. Um, 25 to 55 active individuals. And those are people that value their health care. So they are people who place their health as a top priority in their, in their, um, in their life. And then we also have kind of sub demographic of those individuals who are parents that also have a high school athlete and kind of a niche that we fell into here, um, over, over the last year or so is just essentially people who have had chronic pain for over a year and have tried other, you know, other, other routes with different practitioners and aren't getting success. That's perfect. I know, I know some other people that have gone kind of into that chronic pain category of helping them, you know, return back to activity and, and man, if you can be that person at the end line that they've tried everything else and they're committed to what you can provide for them, it can be very, very beneficial. Now, do you, do you practice in regards to cash insurance? Do you do personal injury? Give me the quick rundown on those. Yeah. So we're primarily cash based. Um, I'm, I'm not in insurance. Um, I've tried that. I don't think, I don't think that's the right route for us. And I think that PI kind of comes down to how does that get to your office? Because I think you'd be, I think anyone would be dumb to not to do to not do a PI case. Um, they're a really good way to to help people out and also also get paid for what you're doing. So if a PI, you know, comes in that's like already a patient of ours um, or something like that, somehow somehow finds us, um, I'm okay with running that. But that's definitely not a focus on our practice. Cool. Yeah, I completely agree. I. I think a lot of us that want to do, not think, I know that a lot of us that want to do sports and athletics and in college and professional and all of those things, maybe personal injury is not the highest priority or in school, it wasn't what we're like, oh man, I really want to do personal injury. I don't know a lot of people that had that mindset, but what you start to find out is if you understand the personal injury process, there are a lot of people that need help. And if you can provide them good care, if you can provide these attorneys that represent the personal injury patients a good process and communication and all the things that we already do on a day-to-day basis with in turn understanding what they need uh, to make their case good and to help their patients out and to get them back to, to where they need to be, then it can be extremely beneficial. The best part about personal injury is that it does, it, it does take some time to get paid. And I know that sounds like a bad thing, but you're using your cash and commercial insurances those patients are your day-to-day floating of the practice so that then maybe yeah. a couple months, six months, a year later, as your personal injury patients start floating through their their um, you know, their checks and whatnot, now, oh, great, I just got $2,500 to add to my monthly income, and I wasn't even expecting that. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we as a practice right now, we've got maybe 50 or 60 personal injury patients that haven't been paid out over the past mm-hmm. year. I mean, that 
that could equate to 150 to 200 thousand dollars worth of income as that comes through and that's after getting cut down but that's how some of these cases have gone so yeah we may not see that for another year two years i mean it, it may get floated in a little bit here and there but i mean until you're so busy that you can't accept a certain demographic or group or whatever that you are working with right now shit, you better take everybody that you can in order to fill mm-hmm. that schedule wouldn't you agree yeah, I think that um, I think PI is always a no-brainer in that standpoint, and it's definitely nice to randomly just like, oh, hey, guess what finally came in the mail today? It's, it's like a little Christmas <laughs> gift, randomly, 100%. randomly in the in the middle of the year. Yeah, I mean, I think I think at the end of the day, you need to um, you need to take care of yourself before you can take care of anyone else. So if you if you aren't um, at least looking into opportunities, you know, with whether that's, you know, hey, someone thinks that they could run some PI for you or, you know, this patient wants to come in and get care. I mean, at the end of the day, like, who are who, who are you to know what that person wants and whether or not your care will be something that fits exactly with what they want? So I'm not saying you have to, like, bend your model to be open to everyone, but I definitely wouldn't limit it to anyone. You know, I wouldn't say, like, I'm just a sports practice, so I only see athletes or I only see that de- target demographic. No, like I have someone that's 60 years old and needs help, you know, gets referred to me by someone who was in that target demographic and did very well, like, you'd be stupid not to take that person. And I think that, you know, the only thing that comes up there is insurance. So if you don't want to be in insurance, which is kind of where I position myself, I am not going to go get an insurance just to fill my schedule because there's a, there's a, there's a game you play there as far as long-term versus short-term reward. But 100%, you know, you don't turn anyone down for sure. Yeah, I agree. And if you want to go cash 100%, it, it does take time to build, but it can be very, very beneficial down the road. Yeah. Um, insurance is great, I think, for, yes, filling your schedule. And there are a lot of patients that want to use their insurance. It really depends on your type of practice. So I, I don't disagree with that. I would just say that understand where you want to get to, what you want to, what you want to be, you know, can you, can you, can you stay within a cash only zone long enough to support that right because everybody's different in regards to what finances they need in order to go their day to day so yes and you know what i will say this i i did mention on on personal injury and i still stand behind except you know as many people as you can and and fill the schedule and do all that but i will say don't lose sight of your vision either like Mm -hmm. i've found that with myself over the past year where i've started diving more and more into personal injury and understanding it because there's just it's interesting to me and it does create income and and there are a lot of people that need our help um but i also have to remind myself don't lose sight of the sports and the you know if that's what you want to do that's what really you know gets your engine going like make sure that you put that dedication too towards high school athletics and college and pros and whatever so make sure that you're learning and growing and being involved mm-hmm. on that stuff too so don't lose sight of of where you want to go i i think that's extremely important before we go any further, I wish we would have talked on it even earlier, but we're going to go back and do it real quick. Tyrell, I want you to walk us through, all right, you went from Logan to being uh, one of the, uh, I guess, one of the interns, one of the preceptors for Mizzou football, mm-hmm. okay? So we went from Iowa football to Logan to being on staff, uh, kind of behind the scenes, I guess, for Mizzou football, and then you got an opportunity to be one of or the team chiropractor, I guess I don't even know for sure, of Memphis football. Sure. You know, talk me through that process and 
people love the idea of being on the sidelines and all of that stuff. It's it's fantastic. It's really cool, right? There's a lot of uh, of of awesome things that, that go along with that, but it's also very time consuming. Um, and finances are not always supportive of mm -hmm. how much effort you're putting in. So walk me through that process. What'd you think of it? All right, guys, hope you enjoyed the newest episode of the First Five Podcast. This is part one of our two-part series with Dr. Tyrell Detweiler. Brought us tons of great info here in the first part. And in the second, we're talking college-level athletics, professional athletics, the good, the bad, the ugly. It's a great, great episode. So be sure to tune in for part two coming up next.